remain standing if you're able and turn to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 4. And beginning in uh, verse 21, and let me read through verse 34. Hear now the word of the Lord. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Thus ends the reading of God's word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, so much that we could come this morning and we could sing your praises. Lord, that we could hear the word that is was read to us and, and just to see the beauty of the way that you have put together your tabernacle and and the, the provision and the part that your people play in coming to give offerings to you. Lord, not in a way that would somehow uh, give us credit in your book, but Lord, just out of an expression of our love for you and all that you have done. God, we pray this morning that as we open your word and we listen, that you would give us hearts that are good heart, a good soil, that we could receive the word that is spoken. We thank you and pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as we said last week, the Gospel of Mark is about the coming of the Kingdom of God, the rule of God over the, the lives and the hearts of His people. Now, I will just tell you, brothers and sisters, that is not a message for our culture that they like to hear. God has come to rule over your heart, right? We want to be autonomous. We want to be the master of our own destiny. We want to do what we want to do because we think if we're in control of our lives, guess what? Things will be okay, right? But the reality is, is what that doesn't take into account is that if we're not under God's rule, we're under Satan's rule. We're under that of sin, right? And, uh, and while people think that they're autonomous and while they think they're free, that's not the case. 
And I mean, all you have to do is look around at life to see that played out in every day. I mean, even those that are wealthy and rich, those that have great fame, maybe movie stars and stuff, you look at their lives, you know, are their lives great? Oftentimes, there's loneliness that there, that's there, there's pressure. You hear uh, often, it's not uncommon at least, to hear of movie stars that have turned to drugs and to alcohol and sex to try to somehow appease the, the, the emptiness that is in their hearts, some even taking their own lives because they just can't take it anymore. And, and so we look at that, and while they think they're free, they're not. But Jesus has come to say, my kingdom has come, and I have come to set you free from sin and the rule of Satan. There's this false god, this false king that is here, Satan, who is has you under his thumb for his own purpose. He does not like you. He does not despise you. He is using you. But Christ comes to say, but I am the one who's created you. I am the one who has made you, and I want to set you free. And as, as we look at the Gospel of Mark, even in these opening chapters, we see in, in chapters 1 through 3 the demonstration of that kingdom where Jesus comes even and says, I have bound this false king, Satan, the strong man, and I have taken things from him. He has bound you with sickness. He has bound you with satanic oppression. He has bound you in all these ways, but I have healed you. I have cast out the demons. And, and you see the free that is there in Jesus Christ. And so not only has he demonstrated his power, but then also as he comes to chapter 4, he, he begins to teach. As a matter of fact, this is the longest teaching section in the Gospel of Mark. Everything else is just little teaching times, or but mostly just actions, just things that Jesus has done. And when Jesus has the opportunity to teach, what does he teach about? But the kingdom of God. And, and specifically, how that kingdom is received by his hearers. And that includes us today, brothers and sisters. How are we to listen to him and to receive his word. How are we to be like good soil? You see, how you choose to listen to God matters. And that's the point of the parable of the sower. And Christ is, is driving that home. He wants us to pay attention what he has to say. Look at verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention. Listen. Focus in. Are you hearing me? Listen. Pay attention to what you hear. And then, in verses 21 through 34, he, he uh, lays out three reasons why we should listen to God's word of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the first reason we talked about last week, if you missed it, I'm sorry, you'll have to go back and watch the live stream, you know, and uh, pick up that point. We're going to cover the second and the third point today. But the first point we covered last week was, is God wants to be found. You see, uh, as you look at the parable of the sower and the seed, you could easily come to the false conclusion that really God is sort of hiding himself in one sense because he's casting this seed, but three-fourths of it goes to waste. It falls on hard ground or rocky ground or the weeds grow up or whatever. Only one-fourth of it falls on good soil and adheres. And you could come to that false conclusion that you know, God is sort of secretive. But there's this free offer of the gospel that is given. 
And, and he wants us to see that Jesus has come as the light of the world. And he has brought this lamp, not to be hidden, put under a basket or a bucket or hid under a bed or something like that, but it's to be put on a stand high where it's going to shine and everyone can see. And so God wants to be found. But second of all, we're going to see that God will produce a proportionate harvest as well. We need to listen to God's word because God will produce a proportionate harvest in the lives of those who hear him. Look at verses 24 and 25. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given and from the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. And, and so Jesus is saying, the more keenly, the more avidly you listen and receive the message of the kingdom, the more the wonder and the glory of that message will be given to you. That's good news, brothers and sisters. But there's also a warning. He says, likewise, the more you give only sort of passing attention to the kingdom, even the little that you have, will be taken away. You see, God sort of uh, repays us proportionally. The measure we use will be measured to us. And here Jesus applies the principle to the way we respond when we hear the gospel that is preached to us. The measure or the degree of our engagement with God's word, the way we respond, our, our desire to grasp its truth and digest its truth will determine the measure of blessing we enjoy from it. You see, I don't know if you think about this very much. All you have to do is ask anybody who teaches or preaches the Word of God, and they'll tell you, studying God's Word is hard work. Okay? The hardest thing I do all week long is prepare my sermon. And if you talk to somebody who teaches, they will tell you the same thing. They'll say it's hard. It's fruitful, and it's glorious, and you would not do it, but it's not easy. And I think oftentimes we can mistakenly think that to listen to God's Word is sort of a passive activity. But the reality is it can be just as challenging to listen and to pursue and to seek to hear what God's Word says. And Jesus says, pay careful attention to what you hear. Let the measure of your response to the Word be full, be complete and heartfelt and diligent and real. And, and as you give yourself to listen and to hear and to understand what God's word is saying, then uh, those who give themselves to the gospel, they will gain much. They will gain new life. They will gain pardon of sin. They will gain adoption into the family of God. They will gain grace to change and to per persevere through every trial. They'll gain comforts that the world cannot know. They will gain hope that no tragedy can touch. They will gain heaven itself where we will be with God for all eternity. But brothers and sisters, there is also this warning. Those who do not respond to the word, who shrug it off in indifference, who hear about Jesus and obedience to him and his blood, and they oh, yawn at the old, old story of Jesus and his blood, to them, even what they have will be taken away. And so he tells us, pay attention to what you hear. The word of God proclaimed, no matter how familiar you are with it, can never be safely 
ignored. Oh, brothers and sisters, what joy and peace we miss. What hope and happiness you forfeit when you ignore the Word of God. You know, understanding will never be given to someone who's a casual listener. And what I mean by a casual listener is someone who is careless when it comes to the Word of God. There's no pursuit to understand it. There's no hunger to, to listen and, and through that Word to, to know their Lord, to hear Him speak, and to know Him. I know I've been reading the Old Testament, and it's just been glorious what God has revealed. And, and it's so clear as you're reading the Old Testament to see that God is saying to His people, please don't, don't turn to anyone but me in your time of difficulty. Your temptation is going to be to turn to the nations when someone attacks you. But they can do nothing. Come to me in impossible circumstances. I'm a God who can do the impossible. Not only am I a God who can do the impossible, but I love you as my children. And I want you to turn to me that I might deliver you and I might show you my glory. There's so much that we can see in God's Word about who He is and we can respond to that in faith. And so we need to hear Him speak so that we might know Him. Let, let me sort of drive this point home a little bit more if I can. Um, in, in Paul's writing to the Ephesians, he says something rather interesting. He says uh, in, in Ephesians 2.17, he's, he's actually speaking of Jesus, and he says, And He, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off, that is, to you Gentiles, and peace to those who are near to the Jews. Now, how could Paul say this? Jesus was never in Ephesus. Jesus didn't come to them and preach, did he? Well, yeah, actually he did. You know, because where the word of God is preached, there Christ is speaking to his people. If I were to say to you tonight, we're actually going to have a special worship service. We don't typically have a Sunday night worship service, at least not yet. That's my hopes one day to do that, have Sunday morning, Sunday night. But tonight we're going to have a special worship service, and Jesus Christ is going to come and preach. Now, how many would come to that? You know, I'm hoping we'd have a packed house. We'd have to turn people away because people want to come, and they want to hear what Jesus has to say. But you see, when where the word is preached or read, Christ is speaking, brothers and sisters. He's here. He is revealing himself to you through his word. And so, as you, as you come to worship, do you come with anticipation? Do you come with a sense of, you know, we're coming to church, kids. Isn't this exciting? Not only is this exciting, we need to prepare ourselves. And so you spend time during the week and you were praying and you were asking, Oh, Lord God, as we come, I pray that you will be with Pastor Rick and you will help him to speak the word clearly that I might hear this. Lord, would you take my heart that can sometimes be so hard, it can be so unfaithful. Lord, would you till the soil of my soul that I can receive the words of life. Lord, that I can know them and that word could take root in my heart and grow and to produce a harvest to your glory. Lord, I don't come just to learn something new, but to hear from you that I might know you 
more intimately. Is that how we come on Sunday morning with great anticipation? Brothers and sisters, if you listen eagerly and avidly to the good news of the kingdom of God, God will richly bless your life. If you consider the word of God as important, you will receive a great reward. And is that your attitude? Is that you don't want to miss a word of what God says. Because if you miss a word, you might miss out on the blessing that, that He has to give. If you listen eagerly and avidly to the good news of the kingdom of God, God will richly, richly bless your life. But likewise, if you listen indifferently and casually to the good news of the kingdom, the little that you understand will be taken away from you. It's the law of diminishing returns. Now, unfortunately, we see this happen all the time in the church. Uh, we see it happen over and over and over again. How sad it is when we see a kid who is a covenant child, and they grow up, and they, they're in church every Sunday, and they hear the preaching of the Word of God. They go to Sunday school. The Sunday school teachers faithfully teach the Word of God, and yet those things heard are not reinforced. They're not thought about. They're not applied. And, and the kids grow up and they become a young person, maybe even an adult, and they walk away from the church. And unfortunately, they walk away from Christ. I think what's sad, even more sad than that today is I think there's a boatload of people who have done exactly that and they think that they've walked away from the church, but they don't realize they've walked away from Christ. And they think their soul is okay when actually it's not. What little they had was taken away because they didn't use it. And there may be some of you who are here today and God's word has been pricking your conscience, calling you to repentance, maybe for a habit or a pattern of sin that you have in your life and you've had it for some time now. And the truth is, you've had your fingers in your ears all along and you're not listening to God. Some of you may have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ many times. And, and if I were to stop and ask you after church, well, tell me the message of the Christian gospel. You can tell me just perfectly. As a matter of fact, it's sort of second nature to you. The, the problem is, it's in your head, but your life has been untouched by that very message that you know so well in your head. Some of you may have been walking with Jesus for years but you've just grown cold. There's no obvious rebellion in your life. You've just uh, sort of like stale bread that's left out too long. You're sort of dry and crusty and dehydrated, right? I mean, at one time, the preaching of the Word of God was like the waters that come from the rock that watered your soul. Or it was like the bread, the manna from heaven that came and fed your soul. And there was such an enjoyment and refreshment. But not now. Now you sit through the service. And when you're done, honestly, you couldn't probably tell anybody much of what was said. Your mind was other places. You were thinking about other things that you needed to do this afternoon. And you're really indifferent. But brothers and sisters, let me plead with you today to listen to Jesus. Pay attention to what you hear. The stakes are high. And if you've never responded to the message about Jesus, please, will you understand, He not only invites you to turn from your life 
on your terms and come to Him and to trust Him because He wants to wash away your sin and to offer you new life. But He calls you to do that. He tells you, come to me. Not as an option, but He's telling you, come to Him that you may have life. He died that you might be pardoned. He was condemned that you might be forgiven. And He's calling you to come to Himself today. And so pay attention to what you hear. Hear and answer His call and come to Him. Give yourselves to the Gospel message with joyous abandon and come running with Jesus invites you to come to Him. The stakes are high, but if you will answer, there's blessing beyond anything you can now guess. But brothers and sisters, if you have wandered off, if Christ and His Word has been calling you to turn back to Him because you've had sustained patterns of sin or backsliding or rebellion, and you've put your finger in your ears and you're like, Lord, I'm not going to listen to you. Please, will you listen today? The stakes are high. Uh, Jesus says, if you will not listen, even what you have will be taken away. Don't refuse Him who calls. Come back. Pay attention to what you hear. If you've grown cold and you still show up, but you are just tune everything out, Listen to the voice of Christ Himself pleading with you, warning you, the measure you use will be measured to you. You see, brothers and sisters, a shallow response to the Word of God results inevitably in a shallow Christian life and a shallow acquaintance of Christ. A dull response to the Word produces uh, a lukewarm devotion to Jesus. And when you do that, what riches you are missing. Uh, what, uh, what riches there are in His Word. So pay attention to what you hear, Jesus tells us. Because to the one who gives himself to the Word, they will be rewarded. Verse 25, For to the one who has, more will be given. You see, you never stand still in your Christian life. You either are growing and moving forward, or you're regressing and you're moving back. There may be times when you feel like you're standing still, but the reality is, in those moments, you are really regressing and moving back. You just don't know it yet. One day, though, we will all see our hearts for what they are. Because one day, we will all stand before Christ. And as it says in the Scripture, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. They'll see Him exactly for who He is. Unfortunately, on that day, it will be too late. Because we will be standing before Jesus in the day of judgment. But for those who are His children, those who have given themselves to know Him through His Word and to delight in Him, it will be a joyous time to see their Savior face to face. So today is the day to ask the Lord to examine your heart and to show you how you measure God's Word. Does it give you life and draw you closer to Jesus? Or is it simply words that lay on a hardened heart like seeds on the path that are taken away by the birds? Are you listening with all ears this morning? You see, God speaks into this world light and life and hope. Well, I wish I could just stop there because that's a sermon in and of itself. But let's go to the second point, or the third point, excuse me. Uh, another reason that we must listen to God's Word is God's kingdom is greater than it first looks. God's kingdom is greater than it first looks. 
look at the parables in verses 26 through 32. And in these parables, Jesus is seeking to show us the nature and the character of his kingdom that he has come to establish in the midst of a fallen and a rebellious and a broken world. Okay, and he tells us two things. First, he shows us it's a growing kingdom in the first parable. And in the second one, um, he shows us that one day it will be consummated or it will be a completed kingdom. Okay, so let's look at these. The parable of the growing seed in 26 through 39. It's a growing kingdom. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, and then the ear, then the full grain and the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. You see, Jesus is making a reference to the period between his first coming and his second coming. Okay, if, if you look at verse 29, the very last verse where he talks about how he'll put the sickle um, to the harvest because the harvest has come. That's actually an allusion to Joel chapter 3, verse 13. And Joel is talking about the final judgment at the end of history. And so when Jesus is here saying is he goes, there's a period of time as he comes where the seed will be sown, but then eventually the end will come. Okay, and of course we know that the seed, according to verse 14 of chapter 4, is the word of God. And, and that seed uh, will be sown and it will grow and it produce a plant and eventually a, a harvest. But notice that the harvest doesn't grow out of passivity or inactivity, but the man scatters the seed. So how does the kingdom of God grow in this world? Well, by the church who is scattering the word of God um, the, in the lives and communities around them. Now, when we say the church, we're talking about you and me. We're talking about us. We're talking about Christians. That means you and I. We share the word of God, the gospel with others. Now, it doesn't take a lot to reach into a bag and scatter some seeds. Uh, in the same way, it doesn't take a lot to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might feel very inadequately and woefully uh, under-equipped or stuff, but it really doesn't take a lot. You don't have to be a great theologian to do that. You don't have to know all the answers to the questions that, that people may ask. It, it is true that there are people that the Lord raises up in the life of the church, whether to share the gospel openly, whether that be evangelists or preachers or, or teachers. There are also gifted lay people who, you know, they're talking about Jesus all the time and stuff. But, but this scattering of the seed should not be thought of exclusively is the job of the ordained minister or even for the lay person who is zealous for the Lord. Every Christian believer has the calling from God to know, to make known the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done. And we are to do so right where the Lord has put us. For most of us, that's right here. It's right here where we live. For some, the Lord calls them to uh, pack things up and maybe go overseas and, and be missionaries and, and spread that seed otherwise. But we must do so aggressively. Now when I say aggressively, I don't mean obnoxiously. What I'm really talking about is doing so intentionally. By taking every opportunity to share Christ with everyone that the Lord brings into our lives. Brothers and sisters, as, as we think about that, would we say that characterizes our lives? That we are people who are aggressive and sharing the gospel? Or are we more passive? 
Are we bystanders or are we watchers? Are we simply waiting for something to happen? You know, and we're just like, okay, Lord, do something. And then it's like we let go and we let God, like he's going to do it, even though we're not really involved in that. But brothers and sisters, that's sort of where this whole so challenge flows out of, is Mark's gospel, as I was really confronted with the reality that we are called to spread the seed. We are to be sowers of the seed. And, and so the whole sow challenge is just really to keep that before us for a number of months, to have us be confronted with that every week. Now, some of you have taken this to heart greatly, and it's been exciting for you to tell me about the things you've done and how the Lord has worked and stuff. Maybe for others, the only time you're confronted with it is during the announcements. And then after that, you sort of forget about it and you go on. And, and so that's between you and the Lord. But, you know, this really, we need to keep in mind that this is what God has called us to do. And if I might take just a moment and sort of tie back this whole idea here of planting the seed back to the previous point that I made uh, in the number two point of the sermon about the measure of the word. Uh, help us, we need to understand that the motivation for sharing the gospel comes only when we have a great love for our Lord Jesus Christ. As the word of God dwells in us richly and as we grow to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we're going to be motivated to share the gospel. Until then, I can stand up here and encourage you to share the gospel all I want. But until the greatness of who our God is, until the glory of the gospel message permeates your soul, and you understand that for what it truly is, you will probably never be motivated to share the gospel. I will never be motivated to share the gospel. And brothers and sisters, I can't help but think that we share little of Jesus because Jesus means little to us. Now, I, I'm not suggesting in here that, or implying that anyone is unbelievers. But, but could it be that we are believers where Jesus has little impact on our daily lives? Uh, you can always tell um, what someone loves. Okay, right? How do you do that? Because they won't shut up. They talk about it all the time. And they spend their time on it. They spend their money on it. And when they're not doing it, they're talking about how they're going to do it. Whether it's sports, whether it's their job, whether it's their family, whether it's Star Wars or video games or whatever it might be. You know, they're just talking about it all the time. Because that's what they love. Is that the love with which we love Jesus? Now, you may be here this morning and you may want to love Jesus. You may want Him to be your first love. But this morning, that's, if you're honest, you'd say that's not where He's at. Uh, you want to be so passionate for Christ that people get sick of you talking about Him. But you know what? You don't. But if that's where you're at this morning, then my encouragement to you is to talk to Jesus about it. Tell Jesus that's what you want. Tell Him... You want Him to be your first love. Okay? Pray and ask Him because He is the one that changes hearts. And He can change your heart. You don't have to be greatly skilled to spread the, the seed of the gospel. Which all you have to do is be Nike people. Right? You know what I mean by that? Nike people? The slogan, just do it. Right? We just need to be people who do it. And if you struggle this morning, I want you to know I understand that struggle. 
I, I tell my wife often, you know, if I can share the gospel, anybody in our church can share the gospel. And maybe that preacher shouldn't say that, but if I'm very honest, that's very true. And, and it's been good to, to pray and to ask the Lord to change my heart and to watch Him do so. It's still hard for me lots of times, but if nothing else, this so challenge is as much for me as it is for anybody else in this room. It challenged me to slow down and to listen to people and to talk and to engage them. And it's been amazing to see the amount of time I've had to talk to people about Jesus Christ. So our part is to sow the seed and not to make it grow. Our task is, is not to attempt to manipulate or force the growth. Jesus wants us to have confidence in the seed itself. Look at verse 27 and 28. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of the ear. You see, it's sort of a mystery as to how the seed works and how it grows. But it, we have to remember that our primary task is, is to scatter the seed. It's not to make it grow. And I say that because I know for those of us, at least in church leadership, we are being bombarded all the time. I love to show you my inbox and the number of ads I get for how to grow, uh, a, uh, how to have a growing church, how to build a more successful uh, music ministry or worship team or, or whatever it might be. You know, and they're always focused on the three B's, building bucks and bodies, right? Building bucks and bodies. Because that's the paradigm in which the world is wanting to push at us, even the Christian world. And if you buy into that metric, that way of measuring success, the pressure to develop strategies to get more of buildings, bodies, and bucks, then uh, what will happen is, as you give in to that temptation, it will slowly erode your confidence in the ordinary means of grace that God has ordained. And what I mean by the ordinary means of grace is the serious-minded exposition and preaching of the Word of God, the simple administration of the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and, and the prayers of God's people who gather every week to pray, Oh, dear God, would you advance your kingdom? Lord, would your glory be known? Would you give salvation to the lost? And as we do that, we will see His kingdom grow. Now, if we give in to that temptation to look for the body, the bucks, and the buildings, we'll still preach the Word of God, but we'll always feel like there's something more we need to do than that which God has given to us. And, and yet, we read, the seed sprouts, we know not how, the earth produces by itself. Jesus is calling us to remember that the life is in the seed, and we just need to plant that seed. And as we do, the field will look much like it did yesterday. You'll sow the seed. Um, the dynamics of the kingdom are not flashy, but they are mysterious. And our part is simply to sow that seed. Now, you may be here this morning, and you may have someone you've been praying for for a long time who doesn't know the Lord. And you've shared the gospel with them, and nothing seems to work. And you might be tempted to think, Lord, I need to think of some other way to get through to them. I just need to do something different. Don't fall into that trap, brothers and sisters. Just continue to sow the seed. Continue to pray. Continue to trust that the Lord will work in their hearts. And then finally, very briefly, I just want to talk about the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, as you look at these, uh, this parable in verses 30 through 32, it's very familiar, so I'm not going to read it. 
But the parable of the mustard seed teaches us not so much about the dynamics of the kingdom, about the growth, but are really about the destiny of the kingdom. What's going to be the outcome of the kingdom of God? Where's it going? And Jesus uses hyperbole here to make his point. He calls the mustard seed the smallest seed of all the seeds, and yet it grows to become the largest garden plant. And Jesus uh, exaggerates his point to show the contrasting size, the smallness of the beginning of the kingdom compared to the vast conclusion of the kingdom of God. And, and just like the, the parable before, Jesus really, as he's telling us about the mustard seed, makes reference to the Old Testament. You know, he talks about the birds of the air nesting in the shade of the tree. Well, those are references that are used in the Old Testament in Ezekiel, uh, uh, Daniel, other places, to, to talk about the idea of a, of a tree that, that grows and the birds come and they nest in its shade. And, and every time he uses that Old Testament imagery, He's, he's really talking about a mighty kingdom, Israel, Egypt, Babylon, whichever one it is, that will grow so vast that the other nations will come and find refuge beneath the protection of that kingdom. And what he's telling us in this parable is that his kingdom, the kingdom of God, will be that kingdom. It will be that kingdom that the other nations come to and find refuge uh, before... Uh, and they find protection in his mighty kingdom. Even though it begins with very simple beginnings. I mean, you think about the small seed of the kingdom of God. You're starting out with a crucified Christ, a, a suffering church. You're talking about preaching in a video age. That just doesn't make sense. Baptism, bread and wine. You're talking about prayers. All of these things seem like foolish and simple and tiny and insignificant things. And yet... Uh, they will grow and it will ex uh, the kingdom of God will span the globe and the nations will come and find security and refuge in its shade. And in that, there will be room for all to come to him who would hear and receive to him. Now, how's that going to happen? Well, in verse 30, he says, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? Here again, Jesus is echoing the language of Isaiah 40, verse 18, that reads, to, to whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with Him? You see, He's, he's helping us to see that, that it is the incomparable greatness of God that will bring about His kingdom. It's not going to be what we do. It's not going to be what we do. It's not going to be because of the way we present the gospel that people are going to hear. It really is that God will make it grow because of the power and the promise of the omnipotent God. And so as we look at these parables, the first parable is a call for us to be patient, to be content with the pace of the growth of God that he gives, the means that he has ordained for that growth, to be patient, to have confidence, and sow the seed. And the second parable is a call to hope. As we... Uh, sow the seed, brothers and sisters, we could grow very weary. We could grow very tired. Uh, and, and he doesn't want us to lose heart, so he wants us to see where the sowing of the seed is going to lead, that it's going to lead to this mighty kingdom. And we need both of these, do we not? If we have just the first point of our sermon today and not the latter, then we might grow weary. But if we have the second point, that the kingdom is going to grow and be this mighty thing, 
and yet we don't take into account that that won't happen without the seed, we might be content with meager results and just be apathetic towards participating and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we come this morning, I want to ask you this. Do you believe these things? I'm serious. Do you believe this? Not just in your head, but are you willing to walk out the door and to take the things that, that this passage teaches us this morning and say, Lord, and hold it up as, as a mirror to your heart and say, Lord, show me my heart. God, where do you, I need to change? Where do you need to change my heart? What sin do I see, Lord, as a result of looking at this passage? Sin I need to confess and repent of and turn to you in faith and look to you, O oh God, to work in a mighty way. Do I believe that? Do I expect that Kirk of the Plains will mirror the reality of this? That we will be a church that will be zealous to preach the Word of God, to, to listen to the Word of God, and, and it will do its work in our hearts, but also as we share that Word with others. Do we expect God's kingdom to spread where you live because you are spreading seeds, and so you're expecting there to be uh, plants that grow. Do you plan to spread seed and to share the word of God with others? Brothers and sisters, we have a task to do. To sow the seed, to make Jesus known. Let us not grow weary to do so. But also to do so expectantly, knowing that God is building his kingdom. And, and it will grow to a mighty and a great kingdom. Not because of what we do, but because his promises are true. Amen? Let's just take a few moments this morning, if we could, and reflect upon this passage today. Heavenly Father, we're, as we come this morning and we're confronted with the message of the word that you've given to us today, it reminds us of many Old Testament stories and accounts of your people when they were standing and the Red Sea was sprawled out in front of them and, and Pharaoh's army was behind them seeking to, to slaughter them or at least to capture them. And what were they to do? As your people were standing on the other side of the promised land waiting to cross and yet uh, the Jordan River was at flood stage and they would have been swept away and, and killed in the waters. Lord, as, as your people eventually went across that very river and stood at the walls of Jericho with three feet thick walls, they were people that were totally unprepared to come in a mighty way.
that would bring glory to your name. We thank you, O God, and pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.